what up what up what up folks welcome to episode number 53 of the spun today podcast i'm your host tony ortiz thank you very much for listening i just wasted mad fucking time trying to figure out why the mp3 reporter wasn't reading the mixer and i connected the wrong fucking wire to it basically i spent like 10 minutes trying to figure out why the mic was working the headphones the mixer and the mp3 seemed to be working but just wouldn't read any of the stuff going into it basically (laughs) um and that's partly because i'm recording this episode again in the morning uh, before getting ready for work right now it's like six something a.m and being that i just wasted that time i may not have enough time to finish the entire episode which means i'll record the rest of it tonight after work either way welcome and there's lots to cover in this episode so let me get right to it in this episode i speak about the latest hbo miniseries the night of and the netflix show orange the new black which i finished watching a while ago but completely forgot to speak about i share a quote from stephen pressfield's new book nobody wants to read your shit and a clip from malcolm gladwell's new podcast revisionist history i also sneak in some political talk you know hillary bernie dnc rnc etc abc cbs tbs you know um i read and reflect on some free writing which is located at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and i also read the spun today questionnaire response filled out by amazon best-selling fantasy author joshua robertson and joshua's uh, youtube page as well as his uh, twitter links can be found in the episode notes all right so first up the night of which is a new hbo miniseries i really like hbo miniseries in general you know like uh true detective i think was the first one to really like kick it off or at least uh for me uh part one part two i don't know what the fuck that shit was about um also show me a hero was amazing i've spoken about that on the episode as well on uh the show rather and now the night of is super good really really good suspenseful it's dark it's interesting it takes place in queens uh for the most part which is really cool for me being from queens and um uh, just in new york in general the acting is like top notch you know um don't expect any less from hbo um they usually outdo themselves and the writing is like fantastic in my opinion uh let's give credit the show is after all anchored in writing so let's give credit to the writers of the show or the creators and the creators are richard price which is also known for clockers ransom and freedom land none of which i've seen clockers i've heard of it's, uh, from 1995 and steven zalian which is known for schindler's list heard of it never saw it actually uh, about the holocaust um the girl with the dragon tattoo which uh my brother loves those like books and movies and stuff like that if i'm not mistaken i think i've seen i think there's two or three of them but i think i've seen one of the movies 
Um, and Steven Zalen is also known for American Gangster, uh, 2007, with uh, Denzel Washington. I'm sure you guys have seen it. That's a dope one. And, oh, quick aside. Did you guys know that, uh, you know that show Ballers on HBO? The main, like, football character, Ricky? The He's, like, the talented fuck-up guy? Um, he's Denzel Washington's son. I didn't know. I recently saw him on a Breakfast Club interview, and they were talking about that. And it's pretty crazy. Pretty interesting. Anyway, uh, the show's dope. Definitely, you guys should check it out. Next, let's get through all this stuff. Orange is the New Black was... It's a, a very good show. I really like the writing on that show as well. And I think it's like on its fourth season, just finished. The first season was really good. I really liked it. Second one wasn't as good, and but it was still good. The third one was, if I'm not mistaken, the third season was the one that got flack, the most flack, as you know, like the show lost it uh, type of thing, type of feedback. Um, I thought it was okay, uh, but yeah, out of the first three seasons, that's the worst one. But I didn't think it was like as bad as everybody was making it out to be. The fourth season uh, definitely uh, picked it back up, and but added, uh, added, ended on a really sad note. Uh, spoiler alert, um, but pretty interesting. For those of you that don't know, it's a an original Netflix in a Netflix original show. Uh, that takes place in a woman's prison and i like that they've been they've been uh you know like mixing it up lately with like new characters and and it's interesting to see how how the writers introduce new characters into like an already existing story and like work them in uh to the main like theme and plot and stuff like that it's interesting to watch and um just to see like new like character arcs and and stories is is pretty cool um, and it's inevitable, right? You can't just tell a prison a prison story and stay with the same characters throughout the entire thing. I think Oz figured that out, like in the latter scenes, <laughs> in the latter um, seasons, rather. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much it. I don't want to spoil too much of it uh, for you guys, so it's pretty much it. That's all I gotta say on that one. Next, let's see. Moving right along, we're making good time here. Oh, actually, real quick, and I feel like a like an idiot for not knowing this, but there's a a character in Orange, um, not not like a main character or a big role or anything like that, but he's the son of the new corporate owner of the privatized prison, and he like at first he was like running the the prison like as the warden, acting warden or whatever uh, for Caputo. Um, but they called it, you know, they, they window dressed the title with some corporate thing. And that is Mike Birbiglia, which is a comic, which I didn't know. And also, which I didn't know, he's also like a writer and director. And I saw his, he has a new movie out now. I haven't seen it yet. But his 2012 uh, movie, which is like a semi-documentary slash reenactment type of, type of thing of his life. And it's called Sleepwalk With Me. It's also on Netflix, uh, which was really good. And um, I think you guys should check it out. I actually heard his story um, back, I want to say maybe like a couple years ago. He was on like This American Life uh, with Ira Glass, which I believe produced 
the second movie. I don't know if he did this, the first one. But anyway, um, he... Well, actually, no, I think he self-produced the second one. I don't know. The uh, point being, he spoke about his... He has a, a sleeping disorder. That's called, like, REM sleep disorder or something like that. And he he tells this sick story on the podcast of about when he's like sleeping at a hotel on the second floor uh, in the second floor hotel room and his disorder pretty much is that he he dreams while he's asleep and uh, reenacts his dreams and his body's like completely awake while his mind is asleep and he pretty much had a dream about a like a missile heading to towards him and it's literally going to hit him so to protect everyone in the room like his wife was there and his father and like a few other people playing the role of like military personnel he winds up jumping out of that room in his dream which happened to be in real life his second floor hotel room through a closed window and you know landing on to the floor and then like just starts running <laughs> and um so that the missile could just blow him up and not kill all his loved ones and stuff like that um then when he comes to he just walks back into the hotel and like tells the front desk guy like i just i'm staying at the hotel and he's like my you like all bloody and shit um I'm staying at the hotel and I just jumped out the window and I need an ambulance and the hotel guy's like kind of like in shock and and like okay it just is like dollars time one it's pretty cool it's an interesting story um aside from like the the sleepwalking stuff just you know a comic trying to make it and trying to balance personal life and um the piece of not not well I don't want to spoil it but just how people are willing or not willing to do or say certain things um for an abnormally long period of time for the reasons of like not hurting someone or or not confronting um uh an otherwise uncomfortable situation etc and uh you guys should definitely check it out it's on netflix it's called sleepwalk with me anyway i thought that was like pretty interesting connection to orange the fact that Berbiglia is in it all right next is the quote from Stephen Pressfield's new book nobody wants to read your shit and here's how I forget the subtitle I think the subtitle is and what to do about it or something like that or how to fix it and etc or no here's why and what to do about it that's what it is and like I told you guys last time there's no writer that I highlight more uh, and that resonates uh, more with me than Stephen Pressfield does. And this particular, it's a one sentence that stood out to me that I highlighted here to share with you guys. And then I'm going to backtrack and like read the full paragraph just so you can have the con- the uh, context. But it is about how we learn. And, you know, it's as writers or or um, just people into any any particular craft you can apply it to. and people you know pursuing a passion and the quote that resonated with me or the sentence here is it happens getting up early and it happens staying up late now let me backtrack it 
and read you guys the full small paragraph here. He says, quote, you don't learn in art. Blah, I just f- fucked that up already. All right. <laughs> uh, quote, you don't really learn in art or a craft in school. In the real world, the process is more like an apprenticeship, multiple apprenticeships under multiple masters. And it happens on the street and it happens in the studio. It happens in bed. It happens sober and it happens stoned. It happens getting up early and it happens staying up late. That resonated with me for obvious reasons, you know, the whole getting up early and, and staying up late type of thing. That's when I write. Um, which are tips that I've gotten from uh, people that have filled out the Splunt Today questionnaire. I've heard it there as a, as a tactic, waking up early, and uh, also on several writing podcasts that I listen to and, you know, different writing blogs and stuff like that that I read. That is a common uh, trend of, of, you know, commercially unsuccessful writers. And by that, I mean just people such as myself that can't live off of their writing but obviously have a passion for it you got to find some sort of time with it uh for it rather and um obviously can't can't uh yet uh allow it to like disrupt your life uh in in that sense of you know taking the place of a job or family and and stuff like that so you have to find time for it and if you really want something you find time by waking up early staying up late you know weekends and 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 fitting it in where you can so that i guess kind of felt like like a nod you know what i mean from a uh a writer that that i look up to he has an interesting story Stephen Pressfield, by the way the like this book gets more into it like he gets more into his um like he was in advertising on and off for like 10 or 15 years and um he pretty much took advertising jobs in between uh writing novels and like trying to to make it as a writer and he would take a writing job for for a year save up all the money that he could and then rent out uh the the cheapest place that you could find for another year and like write for a year and try to try to get a novel out and i think uh, he did that on and off for like 10 years or something like that and I think it wasn't until his 40s that, like, his third or fourth novel um, um, garnered enough success for him to, to begin writing uh, full-time. And uh, then, you know, eventually he wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance, which was turned into a movie uh, played by Will Smith. That's, like, one of his notable uh, fiction stories. Um, my favorite book, The War of Art. And, um, you know, he writes both fiction and nonfiction. And he, uh, the rest is history, basically. So, uh, anyway, links to uh, his new book, Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit by Stephen Pressfield is located in the episode notes as well. Yeah, I feel like I'm making good time. If only I stop saying that, I'm wasting time. Next is the clip from Malcolm Gladwell, which is also a writer, for those of you that don't know. He wrote Outliers and Blink and bunch of other stuff um he has a new podcast called revisionist history uh i don't know if we could call it well yeah it is new and just came out in june and there is a piece of the podcast which i'm going to play for you guys 
Uh, again, it's called Revisionist History. And the episode that I'm going to play an excerpt from is called Hallelujah. And it is it came out on July 27th, 2016. Now, this part of this uh, or this excerpt uh, from his podcast is I wanted to play it because it was so, so interesting. So uh, I guess I could I explain it best like his, his podcast is about you know going back it's called revisionist history um he revisits uh things that happened in the past in history that he feels deserve a second look and he looks deeper into stories i've told you guys about the the basketball uh, shooting story uh in the past um where he discovered that statistically if you shoot on their hand um you're more likely to to make the free throws than you know sh- shooting regularly and you know the whole episode was about why good ideas are so hard to spread <clears throat> and why people like dr j and and like Shaq that had like horrible free throw percentages wouldn't just like switch to underhand and it's because like the perception of it and it looks i don't know like gay or whatever <laughs> whatever you want to call it um shooting like that and and then he goes over explores like other topics um draws uh uh like parallels to like other related topics of but with the same like through line of why bad ideas are so hard to spread so this episode is about the song hallelujah and more more deeply it's about the how i guess delicate and fragile certain things are and how they like almost don't come into existence and then it like kind of like blows your mind like how much other stuff i guess an unlimited amount if you really think about it of things that don't come into existence and how how crazy and like by happenstance like things that do come into existence come into existence like for example he uses the song it's like a famous song hallelujah i think i'm gonna play it in the episode notes for you guys uh played in the episode notes i'll link to it in the episode notes but i'll play it in like the the outro um it's a famous song once you guys hear but the history behind that song is sick it's like somebody wrote it a certain way it got redone probably like by half a dozen different artists if not more and like different versions and each artist had their own version and artists revisited after years and um uh this like he tells um the story of how some somebody happened to record it that wasn't a singer but had an amazing voice and her cleaning lady was you know happened to pop in this that cd that she recorded it on uh, while she was cleaning the house and she was related to some record exec that then played it for some real artist and or not real artist like professional art recording artist or something like that and that person remade it and then that got remade into a different version and that version that final version is the one that we actually know uh like the famous one and it's crazy how it had to go through you know each of those phases to get to where it got um in order for it to become successful and Anyway, this clip is from that, from that um, uh, episode. 
Buckley records the song in 1994. Still nobody particularly pays attention to it. I mean, again, in retrospect, we think of Jeff Buckley as this very important figure and this big influence on Radiohead and Coldplay. And all, but nobody bought Grace. Nobody bought Jeff's record when it came out. It peaked at number 160 on the charts or something. It was a huge disappointment after all the hype around him. So that didn't make it a hit. Buckley is this incredibly handsome man. Looks almost ethereal, like Jesus, with that incredible voice. But none of that is enough until 1997, when something tragic happens. Buckley's in Memphis, and he goes swimming in one of the channels of the Mississippi. He's wearing boots and all his clothing and singing the chorus of Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. And he vanishes, never seen again. And that tragedy suddenly propels his work and Hallelujah into the spotlight. And it's really kind of, you know, as you hit the new century, that's when the snowball kind of starts. The first few covers, the first few soundtrack placements. It's 15 years since Leonard recorded this song. Fifteen years. And think about how many incredible twists and turns that song takes before it gets recognized as a work of genius. It just happens that the independent label Passport Records releases the first version after the album it's on is rejected by CBS Records. Then Leonard Cohen doesn't give up, keeps tinkering and performing new versions of Hallelujah. John Cale, one of the most influential musicians of his era, happens to hear Cohen doing that. He revises the song some more. Cale's version goes out on the obscure French CD I'm a Fan, which goes nowhere except Janine's living room in Park Slope. And Janine happens to have a house sitter who happens to play it, happens to like it, and happens to have an ethereal, amazing voice. Buckley's version goes nowhere until he happens to die under the most dramatic and heartbreaking of circumstances. And then, finally, we recognize the genius of this song. But think about how fragile and elusive that bit of genius is. If any of those incredibly random things don't happen, you probably would never have heard Hallelujah. I don't think this crazy chain of happenstance matters so much with conceptual innovations. Paul Simon once says of Bridge Over Troubled Water, one of the most beautiful pop songs ever written, It came so fast, and when it was done, I said, Where did that come from? It doesn't seem like me. The song came out perfect. And that's the clip. <clears throat> it's kind of long there, right? A couple minutes. Uh, but you guys got to... Uh, got a look at a well-produced show good to listen at least and uh, while doing that i just noticed that there's been like a very low hum uh getting recorded into the sound hopefully it's not too bad i'll try to uh even that out um but from this point on at least you won't be hearing that hum and all right so a couple takeaways from that from aside from the fact that it's an interesting fucking story in and of itself and uh, you guys should uh, take a listen. Uh, again, it's called uh, Revisionist History is the podcast. And the title of it is Hallelujah, which was released on July 27th, 2016. And he gets into, if you you know listen to the full episode, obviously you have the full context of it. Uh, but he gets into like the whole backstory of how it was originally recorded and 
and what happened and stuff like that the piece that i played for you for for you guys is just like the the um the recap or synopsis of it and um something that made me think about is related to writing is just that um i don't know this is why i feel that we have to put our art out there and by that i don't mean i definitely don't mean put out crap because as you can see from this episode um uh this uh, excerpt that i just played for you guys this was some this was a song that was consistently worked on and not only by like one artist you know many different artists um had to go at it but just in the context of of writing don't miss out on putting something out because you're in the pursuit of perfection which is something that that I struggle with constantly. Um, although you probably wouldn't notice from reading my stuff, but you, you know that uh, paralysis by analysis uh, type of mentality and and trying to make something perfect and writing and rewriting and rewriting again and editing and you know constantly over and over and over again until the point where it never fucking happens, it never comes out. So um there's like a fine line there that we including myself have to learn how to balance i feel and basically if it's a decision between perfect and never heard or read or or seen uh versus being decent and heard read and seen um choose the latter in my opinion that's pretty much it on that and well actually a second takeaway uh from that is how we or at least me i don't want to speak for anybody else but um i have heard this sentiment shared in the past we once we put something out there uh, you know whether it's a book or a movie or whatever our creative piece of of art um not to sound like pretentious and shit, but, um, you know, whatever we put out there, uh, into the world, it's, it's no longer ours, you know, it's open to interpretation, uh, different people, um, view it differently and, and, and have different takeaways from it. Um, what I appreciate from that or the thought within that same vein is uh, something that I heard, uh, Eminem say in, in an interview with Zane Lowe and BBC's, uh, Zane Lowe, where he says that, for himself for his own like writing and ideas uh for songs sometimes he hears a uh he hears something or sees something that sparks an idea that sparks another thought that turns into what eventually becomes um uh a song that he writes so think of what you put out as that not again not just for yourself but for others you know you put something out that you're content with that you're happy with that you're proud of that that you feel is good quality but you get it out there um because you never know like the ripple effect uh um that it will have an impact that it will have on on others and what that would spark in other people all right so let me just some real quick um political talk here i'm sure i'll get more into it you guys know i like politics um i'll get more into it once the presidential elections get into the thick of it um something that i wanted to i don't know something i was just like mulling over is you know with uh 
you know Hillary making history and and being the first woman uh, elected by a major party, uh, one of our two major parties, um, as a presidential candidate is is great, obviously, um, and I was wondering if like Bernie Sanders, obviously, I mean he was running because he wanted the job, I would imagine, but if he, I wonder how realistic. I know. Obviously, it wasn't he wasn't like a lock, you know what I mean? Like he didn't like run saying, "Oh, I know, I got this." But I wonder how much of a realistic possibility he felt it was, and if it wasn't. And I'm not saying this, you know, nothing against Bernie. I was actually rooting for Bernie because I felt he was l- like he would shake things up enough to maybe cause a, a change to to our, you know, convoluted. Uh, corrupt system um, but was also able to work from the inside as opposed to someone like Donald Trump which would like disrupt the system in that same way um, but not working from the inside and just a complete loose cannon which defeats the purpose of disrupting the system if you just blow up the system you know what I mean <laughs> um, but anyway back to Bernie I wonder how much uh, or how much of him was or his candidacy was knowing that he wouldn't win but wanting to make impact enough to change uh hillary's platform because maybe he felt that she was a shoo-in or uh it was her time etc etc and if so then then bravo you know what i mean like he he seemingly has has had a, a big impact on on the democratic uh platform that uh hillary is now running on uh it's not just her original ideas it's been amended with some of, of bernie's and is uh you know quote unquote the most progressive uh democratic platform ever in the history of the party and that's uh that's a big victory and you know bernie is definitely going to be uh, still a sitting senator and i'm sure he, he by by backing hillary now you know uh, back her politics and shit like that he's going to get a few of uh like chairs uh within the uh the senate to important and influential groups and uh, i'm just interested to see on how this will play out and then real quick on hillary um there is I was surprised to see there there's a a quiz that you can take which which was actually really good really really nuanced really granular and uh I heard of it from actually a third party uh candidate Gary Johnson uh which was on Rogan's podcast um point to this uh he's a libertarian um candidate point to this quiz and he was just telling people you know take it and see who you really align with cuz people kind of get caught up in the like the like the topical stuff or you know I, I like her i don't like her i like him i don't like him you know he rubs me the wrong way like this uh like type of thing um but you know you you don't really including myself and i like like politics and shit you don't know the candidates stances on every like nuance topic and um you know um, this this site that he uh, Gary Johnson uh, pointed me to 
um, was pretty cool. And I, I linked to it in the episode notes. It's called isidewith.com. And it pretty much gives you like 32 different questions. And I'm going to read to you guys a like one of the questions just so you get like an idea of it. And also you can expand the question. So you can make it, you could turn it from like 32 to like, I don't know how many, but 60 something or hundred and something, or, you know, it asks you if you want more questions within a certain topic, like this is under social issues. First question is, what is your stance on abortion? It's pro-choice, pro-life or other, other stance. Then when you click, so it gives you those three choices, right? When you click on other stances, then it gets a a bit more granular and it says pro-choice, but ban after the first three months, pro-choice. I don't agree with the government. I don't agree that the government has no right um, to ban it Uh, or pro-choice, but providing birth control, sex education and more social services will help reduce the number of abortions. I think I agree with that one. Uh, pro-life, but allow in cases of rape, incest, or, or danger to, to the mother or child, uh, pro-life, uh, and I also oppose abortions for victims of rape and incest, or add your own stance. Um, so it gets a really granular, you know what I mean? Because you can be like pro-choice, pro-life, but there's always a but in blah, blah, you know, if you get raped, then I understand, or, you know, like stuff like there's always like those nuances, which I feel this covers. And it also, if there's any other nuance that you're not factoring in, uh, or that this doesn't factor in, rather, um, you can add your own response. And also, you can weigh the importance of the issue. It's like you could be like, I'm pro choice, but I don't really give a shit about it too much. So, uh, you know, you could drop it, and there's a, a uh, like five notch notches of importance. And then, you know, uh, it goes on to other social issues like um, legalization of same-sex marriage and, you know, Planned Parenthood funding. And then once you get to the end of the section, which each section is like three or four questions, you can ask for more questions within that section. So if I want more social issues, then I can open it up and then it'll say um, things like should health insurance providers be required to offer free birth control and, you know, and same deal with each, each question you click other stances, it gives you more nuance and you could rank each question, um, based on importance to you. Um, it's a pretty cool quiz. Anyway, after taking it, I, my political, it matches you up with a political candidate that matches mostly with your answers, which is obviously based on their, their platform, etc. So it's a helpful tool to help help you decide on who to vote for. Um, I took it and I got 94% um, alignment with Hillary Clinton, which I was surprised with. And, um, um, you know, it goes into foreign policy and a whole bunch of shit. So check it out. Uh, I think it's a helpful tool unless it's owned by uh, friends of Hillary Clinton or something like that. And no matter what you put in, the the answers always spit out uh, 94% Hillary Clinton. Um, if that's not the case, then it's definitely a helpful tool. And I'm just kidding. I don't, I'm pretty sure it's not the case. Um, but you know, check it out, obviously. Alrighty, let's do some free writing and see if I can wrap this thing up in the next 10 minutes or so. Then I'll record the outro stuff, uh, after work. Cause I got to start getting ready to make that paper. All right. So this free writing 
piece is located on my website at sponsor.com forward slash free writing. It was posted on the site on July 29th, 2016. And it is an excerpt from Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, Season 8, Episode 5, with Jerry Seinfeld and Lauren Michaels. And this is the excerpt. Lauren Michaels says, There's an old Shelley Berman joke about when his, fa- when his grandfather came to America. He was told that the streets were paved with gold. And when he got to America, he found out three things. One, that the streets were not paved with gold. Two, that the streets were not paved. And three, that he was going to be the guy paving them. And I think that anything you start, you're in that position. That was pretty funny. A pretty funny joke and insightful as well. Um, The part that resonated with me most is that piece at the end when he says, and I, when Lorne Michael says, and I think that anything you start, you're in that position. And this is what I free wrote based on that little excerpt. Inherent in this insightful joke is a juxtaposition of two ideas. One, pursuing a particular path that is laid out already. And by that, I'm referring to, you know, somebody tells the guy that, um, you know, go to America, the streets are paved with gold, you know, you make it there. So he's pursuing that particular laid out path versus two, creating your own, which is what he wound up doing by getting to America, finding out that the streets were not paved with gold, they weren't paved at all. And that, you know, now he was going to be the guy paving them and make his money that way. Sometimes in our lives, the need to create our own way comes out of necessity. We find ourselves in situations that we wind up innovating out of or getting out of via hard work and persistence. Throughout your pursuits in life, you may find that things are exactly as you expected them to be, utterly different than you expected, or a grayish hue in between that leans a bit more one way than the other. The latter is what I experience most often. Regardless of where you're at, when you have that revelation, know that you're exactly where you need to be to gain the necessary experience and life lessons to get yourself to where you want to be. Don't just go through the motions. Experience, take them in, and take them with you on your journey. I wrote that on July 29th, 2016 at 9.33 a.m., on the subway, which I got to take into the city soon. And that's it on that free writing piece. Again, it is located at sponsor.com forward slash free writing. A link is in the episode notes if you guys want to check that piece out as well as plenty of others. And lastly, but not leastly, uh, to wrap up the episode, I am going to read the Sponsor Day questionnaire response filled out by Amazon bestselling author Joshua Robertson. And Joshua is someone that I found on YouTube. Actually, his he has a couple YouTube channels. The one that I've seen a handful of videos of that I find helpful, uh, I link to in the episode notes. Uh, he is, like I said, a fantasy author, an Amazon bestselling fantasy author. And he has a bunch of helpful videos online uh, related to writing, like, for example, where to get reviews uh, that I've watched or, or why to join a writer uh, community, how to characterize your characters, uh, 
uh learn from your fears like stuff like that that um that resonated with me a bunch of the stuff that he's uh shared and spoken about and he took the time to fill out the spontaneous questionnaire for us and i appreciate that very much and i'm going to share his responses with you guys now question one relating to your craft do you remember the first thing you ever wrote or created and joshua responded the first story i remember creating was a horror story around the age of nine damn that's awesome <laughs> that's what that's how you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing when it's something that you were doing when you were nine uh, he continues and says the story focused on a group of kids going into a haunted house on halloween i continued to write short stories throughout the age of 15 and then finally completed my first novel at 17. Damn, that's awesome. At 17, I was trying to figure out, like, what worked better between Noxzema and Neutrogena or something like that. So that's really cool that, that uh, Josh was able to do that at 17. Question number two, what inspires you to write or create? And Joshua responds, my ideas are primarily inspired by dreams. I have had uh, throughout my life. My bestseller, Melkorka, was completely based off a dream I had in 2013. And that's really cool to hear because, like I've told you guys in the past, there's um, that, that again, I've picked up from from different uh, writing podcasts and, and blogs and stuff like that. The A, a tip, uh, I guess, given by, by a lot of writers is to have a sleep journal. Um, you know, sleep with like a book or, or something that you could write in um, next to your bed. And like when you wake up, just jot things down. Uh, I spent uh, a long time like having certain ideas and then thinking that I'm going to remember them and, you know, being too lazy to write them down. And then the next day I'm like, fuck, I had such a good idea and, you know, completely, you know, it's gone. So um, that's a tactic. If if you guys can't remember your dreams, use that. I use that on two occasions uh, so far because uh, I don't dream that often or at least not anything that I have felt worthy of like turning into a story but I've written two short stories including the one that I still owe you guys that I'm still working on um, that I told you guys about uh, but one that I did put on the website called Chopper City uh, located at spontaneity.com forward slash short stories Chopper City that was a story completely uh, that came to me like in a dream. Um, and you know, I did an episode of, uh, like the chopper city audiobook uh, version uh, of the podcast where I go into the details of explaining where that story came from, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, it's cool to hear that, um, Josh was able to turn a dream into a bestseller. And the title of that book again is Mel Corka. I'm going to link also to Josh's Amazon, uh, or like book page. Uh, so you guys can check out his books as well. You can find that in the episode notes. Uh, question number three. Uh, what is a hobby that you have that is unrelated to your craft? And Josh wrote, I have another YouTube channel based around my business called Goblin Horde. And that's spelled G-O-B-L-I-N for Goblin and Horde, H-O-R-D-E. I am lucky to have a hobby where I can be a nerd with my nerdy family and find support from a great nerdy community. And that is not the uh, uh, original 
a YouTube page. Like I told you guys, he has a, a couple uh, YouTube pages. But I did check this one out since uh, Josh filled out the, the questionnaire. And it's pretty cool. I believe it's with his wife and, and children are a part of it. And uh, it's pretty cool if you're into that type of thing. Check that out. Again, it's youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Goblin Horde. And by C, I mean the letter C, not S-E-E or S-E-A. Uh, question four. How do you get yourself to sit down and do your work when you're not motivated to? Josh responds, rarely do I find myself not motivated to write, but in those times, I bribe myself with chips, salsa, and coffee. <laughs> nice. Um, definitely, you know, bribing yourself and giving yourself... Um, uh, I guess like incentives, uh, like that definitely has to work or could help in working. Uh, in my case, I drink way too much coffee, um, for, to be able to, uh, to bribe myself with that as is. Cause then that means I would have to cut myself off to then bribe myself with it, which wouldn't work. So I'm going to have to find something else to bribe myself with, but it's definitely a good, good tactic to use and, um, something that I could figure out something to implement, like something that I like, you know, cut it out and then um, I'm going to give it to myself once I like complete a short story or something like that, which I'm struggling with now because it's taking so damn long to finish sometimes. Again, going back to the whole paralysis by analysis and writing and rewriting type of thing. I got to take my own advice and just put it out there, right? Uh, okay. And the last question do you have any advice for other writers or creators, whether they're new seasoned or otherwise? And Joshua stated, join a writing community and build real relationships. That's something that I saw in one of your videos, uh, Josh, and I have begun a little bit. I can't say like really actively, um, uh, but I joined a couple like Facebook writing groups and uh, definitely have to look into into that uh, more deeply. It's logical advice. It makes sense. You know, surround yourself with uh, people that you want to uh, be around and learn from and learn with and etc. And that is Joshua's responses to the Sponsor Day questionnaire, which is available to any and all creatives at sponsor.com forward slash questionnaire. The same five questions you can uh, fill out your responses to and be part of a future episode of the podcast. Joshua Robertson, again, his Twitter, his YouTube page, as well as uh, Amazon book page will be linked to in the episode notes. And Josh, thanks for taking out the time to fill out the questionnaire. That's all I got for you folks now. And I have to go get ready to go to work, go to the nine to five. When I come back, I'll record the outro, put this stuff all together, and have it ready for you guys in time for Thursday. Peace. Hey, what's up, folks? I'm back. And it's obviously a seamless transition for you guys listening in, uh, but I'm actually recording this uh, outro portion of the podcast uh, the next morning after uh, the rest of the episode that you guys just listened to. So just some quick house cleaning before I let you all go. And first of which is, you know that feeling that you have on a Monday, Monday morning while you're at work when you have absolutely nothing to look forward to except Friday, which seems way too far away. 
have no fear. The Midday Monday boost letter is here. That's right. For free, you can now sign up for a short email from me, which you will get once a week, midday on Mondays, which will uh, include some good old-fashioned motivation for you. A little kick in the ass. You can sign up to it by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and just dropping in your email address and you will get the very next one that comes out again that's every monday at noon you will receive a very short email that has some cool shit in it like a photo of the week a podcast of the week a quote of the week a word of the week and a video of the week so check it out the midday monday boost letter subscribe at spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe next is the questionnaire if you want to be a part of the episode like joshua robertson was in this one go to spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire and you can fill out the five questions yourself and uh, spread tips and tricks and just insights into your craft with all the listeners of the spun today podcast all half a dozen of them I'm joking. I'm being self-deprecating. Must have like at least a dozen by now, right? Check out the photography page of the Spun Today podcast at spuntoday.com forward slash photography. You can download any of the pictures uh, on there for free. And if you'd like to order prints of any of those pictures, you can find the option to do so at created, C-R-A-T-E-D dot com forward slash spun today. Another great way to support the podcast is to check out the affiliates uh, affiliate links page on the spun today website uh, it's called affiliate links uh, just click on it and there you'll find the amazon banner the itunes banner both of which you can click on to go to those respective websites and shop on there like you normally do and it doesn't cost you anything extra but just for driving traffic to their website uh, they give me a kickback for sending you over there that would be greatly appreciated there's a paypal donation button there which is self-explanatory You'll also find a link to the Spun Today store via viral style where you can shop for mugs and t-shirts and and uh, cool stuff like that so you can show your friends how dope you are. And the last way to support financially is by going to the Patreon page at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Spun Today that allows you to I set up like a reoccurring donation uh, type of jammy where you can donate like 50 cents uh, per episode or something like that or a dollar or whatever you want. A thousand bucks, you know, whatever floats your boat. And um, uh, it's a pretty cool uh, method. And, you know, you guys can check out other podcasts that, that you enjoy and support the same way. Uh, most of them are starting to have Patreon pages set up as well. What else? What else? Uh, the best way to support the podcast is to rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, wherever it is that you listen to, to podcasts. Definitely please rate and review the podcast on there. And um, that helps it uh, gain exposure. And, you know, the higher it's rated, the more people see it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you guys know the drill by now. Next, aside from the ton of free writing that you can check out on my website, sponsorshade.com, either under the free writing link um, or the short stories that you can read for free at sponsorshade.com forward slash short stories, 
You can check out my very first book, Make Way For You, Tips For Getting Out Of Your Own Way. And for a synopsis of what the book is about, how it came to be, a short video for me describing it, as well as uh, audio excerpts, uh, you can go to spuntoday.com forward slash books, and you'll find it all on that landing page. Also, you can purchase a copy of the book either on Kobo, on iBooks, uh, via Kindle, uh, Smashwords, wherever ebooks are sold. And if you want a paperback printed copy, uh, you can get that at Amazon as well. If you don't want to take my word for it, you can check out some of the reviews that it's received, either on Amazon or on Goodreads. And if you're still not convinced and don't want to pay the couple bucks uh, for it to get it, you can right there on that uh, landing page, you can drop in your email address and I will send you a full free PDF copy of it. And you can check it out 100% risk free. Again, that's at sponsor.com forward slash books. Follow me on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram at Spun Today. Uh, like the Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Check out the YouTube page at uh, Best Ways going through my website and just clicking on the YouTube uh, link through there. And also the Tumblr page, Spun Today Podcast.tumblr.com. And that's it, folks. It's all the house cleaning I got for today. Thank you very much for listening to episode number 53 of the Spun Today podcast. Joshua, thank you for filling out the questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.